All right, real quick before we get rolling, man, let me just ask the Lord to come hang with us. And Like, he's here. I, I don't need him to come hang with us. I need him to keep me from hurting you, all right? That's the truth of the day. Like, I need him to um, keep from hurting you. So, Lord, Father, we just sit with you for a second. God, I would ask you to get even thicker than you already are. Lord, what I'm reminded of is that, man, like, like you inhabit the praise of your people. When your word is preached, people change. So, Lord, I would ask in the name of Jesus. That man, I'm just mixed with air. Like I'm a man that's flawed. But, Lord, you use me to move your kingdom. Protect the flock from me on things that I would say in air. In the great words of Paul in Ephesians, Lord, would you open the ears of their heart so that they would even know you more. Lord, I'm convinced that the more people know you, the more they will love you. The more they will love your people. So, Lord, would you do that? You said it gives you great honor to bring us the things that bring your kingdom. So, Jesus, I don't know what else would do that. Would you begin to just continue to put the word deep in us? That we would love you and then love your people despite what they do to us. It's in your name that we ask these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And so, Man, thanks for letting me hang with you guys today. Like, we, we have been in this thing called the Theology of the Spirit, and then on Monday morning, um, we sat down with the teaching team and, and uh, the elders, and they felt like the best thing to do was to continue in the Theology of the Spirit because we had taught some stuff that we felt like may have left people hanging a little bit. And so one of the things that we were teaching through this past week was like spiritual gifts. And we thought, man, we, we taught why those things are important, how they play out, but we never gave you an avenue to kind of pursue them. And so we decided to continue to move into the Theology of the Gifts, all right? And so what's happened, like first service, like if you didn't make it to the first service, like there's so much to chat through with the Spirit that we kind of were like, we taught some stuff in the first service that we're carrying over into the second. And so if you weren't here for the first service, man, that's okay. Like I think you can pick up real fast um, where we're at. I'm going to recap like in 30 seconds, like what this mess on the board is, right? We, we drew this out as like the history of the world. And, and the green represents, like, the Spirit's activity in the world. So, like, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, like, we saw the Spirit, but we didn't see Him just crazily there. Like, we saw Him come on people specific times, specific places, but we just didn't see Him just exploding. Somewhere along the line, when after Christ dies, 50 days, Pentecost comes, and the Spirit begins to explode onto the scene. Peter stands up, he gives a prophecy of Joel, and he speaks into what's happened, like the shift of the world. Like, he said, everything's shifting. Like what's been spoken about long ago is now in play and the Spirit has been poured out on his people. Joe, he goes on to quote Joel that this isn't just the end, but there's another piece coming where, where the Lord will reign over all things. He calls it the great and glorious day of the Lord, meaning judgment and then when the millennial reign starts. And so what we did was we said, hey, right now the Spirit's now been poured out on his people, right? But it's still not in full because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that it's not in full. Like we use stuff, the Spirit enables us, but we see only in part, like as in a mirror. All right, and so that's kind of how we drew this. There will come a day when the millennial reign starts that we will see in full. And so we made a case on whether or not the spiritual gifts were in play from the text. And so we kind of proved that from the text that the gifts are in play until perfection comes. That's what Paul says. And we agreed that perfection is not here yet. Um, because we don't know Jesus fully. And that's what it says. It says there will come a time when perfection comes that the way that Jesus knows you, you will know him. 
And so unless you can say that you know Jesus as well as he knows you, then the time of perfection has not made it here yet. But there will come a day that the way Christ knows you, you'll know him fully. And so we said, okay, so what does this mean for us? It means that right now in this season, when Joel prophesied, he calls this the last days, right? We think the apostles may be in heaven going, I can't believe that the world's still going on. I thought this day would come quicker than this. Um, but again, it's that we just see in part, like we don't see in full yet, all right? And so we established first service that the gifts are in play from the text. Not what we want to believe, not what we think, not what somebody's told us, but the fact that perfection is not here yet, and perfection is not salvation. So the gifts are in play, and so that goes inside to decide, what does that mean for you? Like if the Lord brings his gifts to the earth and says, man, these are gifts to you, what does it mean for you? And so then we talked a little bit further about this. We said, hey, here's the deal. I grew up Catholic. I grew up Baptist, right? And so when I look at the list of the gifts, which you're going to fill with, let's put those on the screen, the, lift of the, gift, lifts, the list of the gifts, <laughs> all right? And as they scroll through them, right, um, I had to come to the conclusion as, do I accept all the gifts or none? Because there's no, there's no in-between. Like if the gifts are in play, then all the gifts are here. And so therein lies the story. So if I'm going to say that all the gifts are here, and I love some of them, like the top one here, I love leadership. I love mercy. I love marriage. I do not want celibacy. All right? Um, but you get into some of these words of wisdom, words of knowledge, interpretation of the tongues, right? Growing up in my denomination, you're like, well, if there's interpretation of the tongues, you know that there's just regular speaking in tongues, Right? And those are things that I never wanted. I'm like, man, just too ethereal. Like, let's let them stay there. In fact, a good friend of mine this week is like, hey, why are you even teaching on this stuff? Just let it be. But here's what I would say to that. Some of these gifts have caused enough division that it's no longer okay to let them be. Right? The gifts were given for unity in the body. That's what it says to us in Ephesians 4. They were given so that we would mature up as a body and keep unity. And so... To allow them to split us up is ridiculous. And so let's bring it out into the light and talk through it. And so what I've come to the conclusion on is like, man, if all the gifts are for us, right? Not all the gifts are for us, but all the gifts are here. You don't get all of them. But you have some that are irrevocable that have already been given to you if you're a follower of Jesus. Then, then how do we play these out? And, and why are they so important? And so what I've chosen to do is to take the most controversial one and walk you through on why they're important. So before I do that, I'm going to erase this board, and here's what I want you to do for me. Sherry's going to scroll through the gifts again, and what I want you to do is on your piece of paper in your bulletin, I want you to write down which one or two or three that you think you have that you're good at, right? Like if you just know that sometimes the Lord just gives you a scripture in your mind, then you need to write that one down. Man, I, I've got words of knowledge. If, if yours is like, man, like, dude, I, I have the gift. <laughs> like, I, I can speak then write it down. If yours is leadership, write it down, all right? Because as I take the gift of tongues and walk us through it, it will apply to all of them. Is that fair? And so for the next five seconds while we wipe this off, man, write down what you think is best. Is that cool? You are the man. It's like having a maid. <clears throat> yeah. Perfect. 
Do it. Go for it. Are we okay? All right. So, man, just as a kind of a pastor who's like with Casey, like our, our heart is to make you better. Like that's our goal. And so when we were sitting in the elder meeting this week, we were asking ourselves, we're like, is there, is there some kind of test that we all agree on that would be good for you to, to test your spiritual gifts? And one of our elders stood up and said, hey, here's the deal. M- most people know. He said, and if you don't, ask somebody that loves you very well to tell you and he said that's usually the best way to discern what your gift is right and then and then figure out how that thing plays out all right so as we walk into this man like we gotta we gotta walk all right because to understand your gift means you got to understand how this thing plays so like in if you're me like this is how this thing works so um, knowing that I was going to take this on and was nervous about it, I said, Lord, like, help me understand. Like, I don't have this gift. I believe that it's here. I don't have the gift of tongues. Like, I don't, I don't, and so it's hard for me. Like, how do I teach on something that I don't know, right? And how do I do it in a way that doesn't promote it above the rest? And I will tell you this, man, here's what the Lord says. He says, if you lack wisdom, you ask him for it, and will he not give it to you? And I'm telling you, man, like it's got me all kinds of fired up, all right? And so I'm just going to use the most controversial one to explain it, but no way, shape, or form does it, is it higher than the rest. Is that cool? But by using it to explain it to you, all the rest should make sense because they kind of already do in your head already, all right? And so we're going to take the gift of tongues and we're going to work through it. Is that fair? And so first thing I think is helpful for you is like we call this the gift of tongues. It's translated glossa it actually has a bigger word in front of it but every time that you see it it's the same word g-l-o-s-s-a so whether you read it in acts 2 whether you read it in first corinthians 12 13 14 it's always the same word it is translated also as simply the gift of languages now we said in the first service that paul's pretty clear with this and he does it in multiple chapters he says listen there's two of them there's the one where you speak and people can understand it in their own native language And there's another one that you can speak that goes straight to heaven. All right? It's hard to get away from those. It's what he says in 13. He's like, listen, whether you speak in the tongues of angels or whether you speak in the tongues of men. He says, if you do without love, it means nothing. Right? And so we see clearly that the gift of language is there's two pieces of it. All right? The question becomes is like, why? Like, why is this a gift? Why does he choose leadership, mercy? Like, why does he choose those as gifts? Because he could have chosen a thousand other things. Why does he make this list the list of gifts? All right? 
And so when I'm asking the Lord to help me understand it, his response to me is like, Chris, you're always thinking too small. Like, you can't understand hardly any scripture until you understand it in the story of Genesis to Revelation. Right? And so let's start there. All right? Let's start. We're going to start in Genesis 1. Anybody know what happens in Genesis 1? Like, what's the main thing? Creation. We got it. Genesis 1, creation happens. Tell me the main thing that happens in Genesis 2. We're going to go with Adam and Eve. That was a great answer. All right? So Genesis 2, we see Adam and Eve. All right? And we see the Lord actually have a conversation with them. Now, here's the thing. In all of the world, before everything breaks, all you see is the Lord, Adam, and Eve. How many languages do you think you need? Right? Okay. So we're going to say languages, one. Fair? All right. We go to Genesis 3. What happens in Genesis 3? Fall of man. Fall of man. And so if you want to get big on the fall of man, like prior to Genesis 3, everything had its own rhythm. They called it shalom, meaning that it was in perfect order. Everything had its own rhythm. No murder, no death. Like if you read, it says the the animals were eating plants, all right? There was no bloodshed. And when the fall happens, everything fractures. Everything breaks. Everything. How long we live. The earth. How long plants grow, death, what people eat, like everything breaks. He says to the man, it's like, no longer are you going to enjoy your work. Like you're going to work, but no longer are you going to enjoy it. You used to work and enjoyed every minute of it, but now you're going to have to do it because you have to. Women, you're no longer going to enjoy the joy of having children. Like it's going to cause you pain, and some of you may even die in it, right? Because it's no longer the way it's supposed to be. Like everything breaks. Like if you read the story, like everything breaks. But how many people are there still? Just Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis 3, man, how many languages do you still need here? One. Right? So there was something that didn't break. The language. You tracking with me? So let's keep moving. Like we're past Genesis 3, let's move into Genesis 4. All right? Big deal in Genesis 4, we see murder enter the world. First murder. Genesis chapter 5, we start getting people being born. Right? Adam to Noah. Right? Still, one language. We get to Genesis 6. Chapter 5, or verse 5, chapter 6, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time and the Lord had regretted that he had made human beings on this earth. Genesis 6, flood comes. Who survives the flood? Noah. Noah and his wife and his three boys and their wives. How many languages is there? Just one. One language. All right? Still tracking with me? We're building a case. We keep tracking. Genesis 7, Genesis 8, the flood finishes. Genesis chapter 9, the Lord says, man, never am I going to do this again. He's like, I'm never going to flood the earth. 
So no matter how bad it gets, he's never going to flood the earth. He says, every time you see the rainbow, it's a reminder to you that I will not do this again. We get to Genesis chapter 10. Anybody know what Genesis chapter 10 is called? Table of Nations. And so from Noah, the whole world begins to populate. Right? Everyone populates. There's, they all come from the same people, and they begin to multiply. And there's so many names in chapter 10 that if we were to read them, you'd be here till 1 o'clock, right? So in Genesis 10, all of the nations are being formed. You following me? They all came from one man. How many languages are there? One. Now we get to Genesis chapter 11. Verse 1. You ready? It says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And man, like here's the deal. Like if you're the Lord, are you not getting sick of this? I mean, what did Adam and Eve do? The reason they did that was so they could make a name for themselves. In Genesis chapter 6, the reason the whole world had become wicked is because they cared more about them than the people that they were with. And now we have a third time and the Lord's like, not again. Not again. Like, do you guys not study history that every time that you operate for yourselves that it always goes bad and I cannot allow this. And so what does the Lord do? He comes down and what's he say? He says, so the Lord scatters them. From there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. All right? You tracking with me? So Genesis 11, I'm going to put it in red. Babel. Is there any more one language? So think clearly through this. Like the Lord set this up so that people would know him and that they would love him and they would love his people, yeah? And so we were created to worship that. Like we were created that even on our worst day, he still chose you and he still handpicked us so that our lives would be like Romans 12, like we would be an offering of worship to him all the time because he has made us new. And so this was the same story for them. Like they were supposed to be created to worship their creator with one voice. But in Genesis chapter 11, everything, the final thing breaks. And there's no longer one voice. You want to take a guess how many languages there are now? Sixty-five hundred languages. And it gets worse, right? Genesis chapter 12 rolls around. And here's what happens in Genesis chapter 12. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now think about this. 
the table of nations is already set up, but the Lord comes down and now picks one. He picks Israel to speak a common language to. Now think clearly through this. In the Old Testament, do you ever see Israel strike up a common language with another, with another country? No. Do you ever see Israel have peace with another country? No. Do you ever see Israel become a very evangelistic country where everybody wants to come know their God? No. Why? Because there's no common language. There's no common language. The Lord picks one. And from this point on, everyone who bumps up against Israel hates them. And they rub shoulders. And it was never meant to be this way. Like because man keeps screwing this up, it was never meant to be this way. Like the whole world was meant to worship him. So think clearly through this. Like let's keep walking through. Like we can do this all day long, but get to Acts chapter 2. What happens in Acts chapter 2? Right? Acts chapter 2 comes around. Because now we're operating in this world where only one country knows the name of the king and only one nation knows the promises and everyone else rejects them and everyone else fights them and there's no common bond anymore. There's no unity in the world. And so this thing plays out till we get to Acts chapter 2. Jesus comes. Even then, Israel's occupied by Rome. Like, and it's not like Rome is coming to know their God. Like, you don't see that very often. People just conquer them until you get to Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts chapter 2, something crazy happens. Now, of all the things that could be playing out in Acts chapter 2, what's happening? It says there's over 120 people in this room, and they all begin to speak in languages that people can understand. Are you tracking with me? And so in Acts chapter 2, people begin to understand in their own language. Think through this. Like, what they do is they come upon the 120 and they're like, man, those guys are talking about all the things that God has done and we can understand everything they're saying. Like, if you read through Acts chapter 2, it says that there was at least one devout Jew from every nation under heaven in Jerusalem on this day. Like, the Lord totally set them up. And so that they could hear the voice of the Lord in their ears. And guess what happens? They travel back to their homeland. And because the Lord begins to restore the language barrier, everyone begins to understand that the Lord of all the earth has come after them. That Jesus was sent to make them new. And the gospel begins to shift. Like it begins to travel. And the Lord begins to restore something that we broke again. Are you tracking with me? Now why is this so important? Because if you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, listen, I'm still seeing in a fog. Like, I can't see clearly. Like, even though things begin to get restored here, this isn't the fullness of it. It's still a fog of it. Until you get to what? Completeness. In Revelations number 7. And so if you get to Revelation 7, you'll see, like, we won't have to look through the mirror anymore. Like, it will be complete. It will be pure for us. And so John goes into his thing, right? And he sees the visions of what is to come for all of us. And this is what he writes. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, in one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so in this, man, you've got to look past the white robes of righteousness and past the palms of victory. And you've got to look and say, man, this is the Lord fully restoring all the people of the earth from every tribe, every language, and every nation, calling on his name that he is who he says he is. And so, yes, yeah, so why is this so important for us? Like, how does this play into the gift of languages? Because we go into Revelations 7, and the Lord has restored the languages. Are you following me? And so think about this. Why is this important? Like, why does Paul say, man, that these gifts are like mirrors? Like, they're just a reflection of what is to come. Like, why does he say that? Think through it. Because any time someone in this room has a gift, the gift of languages, let's just play that out. What you say is that although this thing was broke in Genesis 11, the Lord began to restore it in Acts 2, and come revelations, there will come a time where every tribe, tongue, nation, and language will stand before the throne and worship His name for who He is and what He's done. Like it's a foreshadowing of what is to come. Anytime that you use your gift of administration, what you proclaim to the world is that although in Genesis 3 everything worked until we broke it, there will come a time when the Lord will finish what he started and all things will be brought back into shalom or perfect peace. And so when you use your gift of administration, what you're doing is taking chaos and bringing it back into shalom. Are you tracking? Anytime that you use your gift of healing, it is a foreshadowing that one day the Lord will come and give you a new body and that there will be no more need for this gift because you will have a body that becomes imperishable. Are you tracking with me? Anytime that you have a gift of mercy, it is a foreshadowing of what will happen when the Lord returns and says that there will become a time where everyone who will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved and we will understand full-on mercy. Anytime that you use your gift of prophecy or wisdom, Like it's a foreshadowing that the Lord will finish what he started and there will come a time that you will know all there is to know and he will fully know you as you fully will know him. Are you you understanding this? Like those gifts that you have are a picture of what is to come. And every time that you choose to use them, you proclaim that the Lord is who he says he is and that he will finish what he said he will start and that what he has done, he will complete. Are, Are you understanding this? And any time that you choose not to use your gift, you say the same thing. You say the same thing. Like if you choose not to use your gift, if you choose to not shepherd, even though you have the gift of it, you choose to tell the world that you don't necessarily believe that Jesus will restore all things. If you choose not to use your teaching gift, you say the same thing. If I stand before you, like a personal story, sometimes I get frustrated with Sunday. Because we can talk a lot and do nothing with it. But I've come to the conclusion that if I choose not to use my teaching gift, then I choose not to build you up. And I choose to tell the Lord that I don't want this gift. When it's His and He gives to me as He sees fit. So that I can build you up and let your heart burn within you that the Lord is who He says He is. I am just a picture of that. There will come a day, man, when the Lord will show you that Himself. But for now, I'm all you got. And you are all you have for someone else. Like, this is how the gifts play. Like, you got to understand that you matter. Like, you are full on matter. 
Like the Lord will use you to usher in his kingdom. But you got to use them. Like it makes no sense for you to have the gift of mercy and never administer it on a Sunday morning. It makes no sense for you to have a gift of wisdom and never tell somebody something. It makes no, it makes no sense. Like to walk in, this is the best place for you to use your gifts because it's where they're accepted. Are you tracking with me? Like, man, this house should be full of people who pray for each other because that's somebody's gift. Are you with me? Man, and it's how we're meant to go. It's so that when the outside walk in, they understand that something's different here. It's why he said that to 1 Corinthians 14. He's like, man, your gifts are used so that the world will know that the Lord is who he says he is. He goes even further. I'll just push on the gifts a little bit. He's like, man, he says, listen, I wish you didn't have the gift of, of tongues. Because when you have the gift of tongues, like your mind disengages. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 14. Your mind will disengage and your soul will fully engage. You know why that is? It's so that you won't corrupt the language that goes straight to heaven. Because the Lord won't allow that. Some will say it's the Holy Spirit inside of you telling all of heaven how um, the end days are going. Like who's coming to know him? Who has confessed Jesus is the Lord of all the earth? Like how things are moving. Like he's, he's reporting to all of heaven on the ushering in of the great millennial reign. And this is the story of the gifts. Like it's powerful. And so man, like here's the story. Like we shot a video of a girl, like, like a girl that I'm stopping right now. And I'm going to let you watch the video because now I think you have some context for her, right? Prior to this, you wouldn't have had, but I think you do. And, then, and so we're going to show her video, and I'm going to speak just a little bit more into what she's done. Is that fair? You with me? Amen to that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so I find that it would be interesting not to finish up with this. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, to build up the body. To some, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By means of that same Spirit, to another, faith. By the same Spirit to another gifts of healing, by that one same Spirit, another miraculous powers. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in tongues, and still to another interpretation of those tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines for the building up of the body. Yeah? The neat thing about Kelly is this. Like she's wrestled her entire life on whether or not, man, the Lord knows her. And so one day she's in my living room, and she's like, there's a guy, that, there's a guy there that doesn't know the Lord, and so we're just kind of giving some scriptures to him. And the guy's like, hey, I need to go take a smoke break. And so he just kind of takes out, and he ended up coming to Christ a couple months later. But she comes to me, and she goes, here's the deal. She goes, man, she goes, I war with the Lord in my head all the time. She said, I just want to do what's right. I want to be obedient to him. And she said, so I want to get baptized because I want to tell the Lord that I choose to believe even though I don't feel it. Now, that's not my story. That's hers. And so she goes, and about two weeks later, she, her parents come, and we baptize her, right? The next week comes by, and she's like, man, I'm, just, I'm still choosing to believe. You know, like I know the Lord, but I just don't have this emotional thing in me. She says, I'm choosing to believe that he is the Lord of all the earth. 
And then two weeks later, she calls me and says, hey, can I come talk to you and your wife? She comes over, sits down in our living room, just begins to weep. She goes, I don't know what's happened to me. She goes, but yesterday I was just praying, and the Lord began to do this for me. And being a Baptist guy who doesn't have a box for that, got to investigate it, you know? Like, you just got to investigate it. But man, you could not shake the faith that girl just took off in her. Like, man, she is alive in the Lord. And the Lord did exactly what the Lord needed to do. Like, he gave her a gift because he wanted her to believe it's what she needed. Now, I believe the same is true that the Lord loves all of his kids that way. And the word will stretch us. But here's what you cannot do. You cannot walk out of here and go, man, this is just a good sermon. Like your gift was given to build up the body. And if you're not building up the body, then you're not using your gift. Like there is something amazing about you. That the Lord has handpicked you and given you a gift that he will not take back. And man, when you use it, you come alive. And he's like, dude, it's not for you, it's for the rest of the world. But I love that you come alive when you use it. And so, man, as one of the pastors of this flock, I've got a push on you that says you've got to decide, like, are you going to walk in this? Like, will you learn what your strength is, what your gift is to the church, and will you use it? Like, will you use it to build up the body? Will you speak truth into people's hearts who need to hear it? Will you pray for people who need to be prayed for? Will you bare minimum just pretend like you have the gift of healing, even if you don't know if you have it yet? There was a guy walking by this past week, and he had all this stuff all over his arms, this skin disease. And I'm like, man, I've never healed anybody. But I believe it's real. And I said, dude, I said, can I just pray for your arms? Man, I felt like Jesus. I put my hand on it. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to get diseased or what's going to happen here, but I'm going to put my hand on it anyway. And I'm just like, man, in the name of Jesus, make these arms well. And he left. I texted him the next day. I said, hey, man, any change in your arms? He's like, nope. I'm like, fair enough. It still really felt awesome to try. You know what I mean? Like I felt like the Lord, like just ministering to this guy. And so, man, I just got to encourage you. Man, just encourage you. Take a step. Like take a step. Agree with the Lord. Like just agree with him. Like, he wants nothing but your best. He is for you. He's for you. And he wants to form you into who he's created you to be. And so, man, like, if you've never put Jesus on, then all that we're talking to you is, like, nonsense. And I would say that your first step, man, is just to confess him. Like, he's the Lord of all the earth, whether you want to agree or not. And so just agree with it. And if you've never walked in your gift then commit yourself to figuring out what it is and using it. If you've confessed the name of Jesus and never been baptized, I would say, why? Because you're afraid? Dude, the Lord says to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What can man do to me? The whole reason he wants to live in you is so that your identity will be in him and not in people. And I promise you, if this is the place you get baptized, you get standing ovations here. Because we're for you. It says that all of heaven's rejoicing over the repentance of one sinner. Why should we not? You know what I mean? Like there's a dying world. And the Lord's like, man, he's like, love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love them. 
and then let me do the la- let me do the rest. And I will tell you, man, it's that it's that simple and it's that hard. Yeah. And so, man, the Lord is good. And his word is more powerful than we can imagine. Like we just scratched the surface of it. Fifteen years and it took me to learn this. We just barely scratched the surface of it. Because the Lord is after us. He told the woman at the well what? He said, man, one day, he said, there will be a people that worship me in spirit and truth. And I will tell you, that day is here. That's the end days. There will come a time, man, when we will worship in a way that we have no idea. But right now, we get to worship in spirit and truth. And he's the Lord of my life. Saved me a thousand times over. To stand up here and preach for his glory is like a gift to me. I had a guy tell me one time, he's like, Chris, you, you cry from the stage too much. I will say to him, maybe you need to cry more. Maybe we should cry more. Like, who loves us on our worst day? Like, who chooses to give up his life for us on our worst day? When you're driving around the back of a pickup truck, don't even know where you're at, the Lord still picks you up and says, man, on that day, I will die for you. When you're at that clinic, man, thinking about doing the unthinkable, the Lord says, I still want you. And when you've been used by every man on this earth, the Lord's like, I will not use you. And when you've used every woman, the Lord will teach you how to not. He will teach you that those are his daughters. He'll teach you how to be a good father and a good husband. And he never demands perfection except for that we try. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the Lord because he's changed me. And it's been the hardest walk of my life. It's been the most joyful things, too. And I praise his name for allowing me to teach his word. And I praise his name for you guys being here. And so, man, I'm just going to leave us with that, if that's cool. Too often, man, I know, because I've been there. Like, you come and you hear a great message and the word's powerful. Man, and as soon as you get home, like, it just seems to shift out for you. But man, one favor. Man, you find what you're good at. Find what you're good at. Because that's a gift from heaven. And then next week, you use it here. You practice it. You stretch that muscle until it becomes strong. Fair? Fair?